Welcome to Capital Climate Connections. This is Representative Patty Acom. And this is Representative Jamie Long. The Capital Climate Connections podcast will feature legislators' efforts to address the climate crisis and build a brighter future for all Minnesotans. You'll hear updates from the Capitol and follow important bills through the legislative session. We will also highlight some of the incredible work by Minnesotans to protect our planet for generations to come. Thanks for joining. Listen Anywhere podcasts are available. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Capital Climate Connections. I'm your co-host, Representative Jamie Long. And I'm your other co-host, Representative Patty Aikum. And we are here at an exciting time in session. Tomorrow, we will be bringing the climate and energy uh, omnibus bill to the floor. And omnibus is just a fancy word for a big bill. We're putting in all of our good work that we've done over the uh, the last year in the Climate and Energy Committee with myself and Vice Chair Acom, and uh, I think it's a pretty exciting bill. What do you think, Patty? You know, I think it has a little bit for every. It has something for everybody, and it's a pretty big bill um, in comparison to previous years. And I think that's just because there's a lot of work we need to do, and a lot of people got involved in a lot of bills that are really great that need to be included. Right. There's over 40 individual bills in there um, to, I think, reflect the, the need of the moment. As you, as you said, we have a lot that we have to get done if we're going to get on track to, to meet our climate goals. So what are some of your favorite parts? Well, I have personally some favorites like solar on schools, which is no surprise. Um, I've been working on that bill for a long time, and I'm really excited that this year um, we've got a Republican Senate author, and it's got some, some traction over there. And so I think there's um, some real possibility for that bill this year. So I'm excited about that. Um, I, I just think that there's um, the eco bill that was that's actually going to the floor, I think, or that went to the floor last week. And eco um, is our, our uh, Energy Conservation and Optimization Act update. And <clears throat> so that is to help improve our, our energy efficiency as a state and try to regain a little bit of leadership there. Well, Representative Stevenson did a great job on that bill and so glad that we were able to get it passed in the House again this year. Such a great coalition of people working on it. Um, but yeah, so that's that's good too. But back to the omnibus bill, what are some of the things in the omnibus that you're excited about, Jamie? Well, I have to start with the 100% bill because that's that's uh, my baby and, and really excited about having that back in there, having it at 100% by 2040. Uh, moving our, our ambition up by a full decade that would uh, make us the, the most aggressive state in the nation if we were able to pass that bill. And I'm, I'm confident we can pass that off the House floor tomorrow, which I think will be a really strong statement. Uh, and then I'm really excited about the, the building and the electric vehicle components of the bill. And um, on, we know that the building sector is just such a big piece of the puzzle in terms of trying to help us um, meet our carbon goals, 40% of uh, energy usage goes through our buildings. And so we have uh, a, I think, pretty in impressive standard for new commercial buildings. So these are, you know, large uh, apartment buildings or, or um, office buildings, and they would have to get to net zero by 2036. So I'm really excited that's in there. That's something that the governor governor's office has been pushing as well. And then on electric vehicles, I think this is... Um, has to be, in my view, the, the 
uh, most ambitious bill that we've seen on, on electric vehicles. And we've got provisions in there on uh, electric transit buses and electric school buses and rebates for consumers to buy electric vehicles um, and trying to help out with building out infrastructure and county government offices and state parks. So those are the ones that, that I think are, are making me most excited. Well, and, and with due reason, I think that, you know, you, you talked about the greenhouse gas emissions and how important it is that we get them under control. And you talked about transportation and buildings. And um, I think that your um, 100% bill uh, and the electricity sector has been such a model for the other economy sector or sectors of our economy to model their, their efforts after. Um, your bill and the energy sector, getting them to net zero is, is so important. And there's a pathway there that the energy sector has been working on this for a long time and they've been successful. We need to find that same success in transportation and buildings and industry and and so I, another one of the provisions I'm excited about is the Next Generation Climate Act and actually Absolutely. updating the greenhouse gas emissions to reflect the science. And so um, we, we know that we need to get to net zero across all sectors by 2050 in order to prevent the worst impacts of climate change. And so I think that that can um, get across the, um, get um, supported by the house tomorrow as well. And so I'm excited about that one. Yeah, I agree. And I'll, I'll just mention two more, which is that I think the work that we've done on equity in the bill is really, um, I, I hope, sending the right message that this is something that we are focused on and care a lot about. So we have a North Minneapolis training pilot project in the bill. We have Love that one. Me too. Um, we have utility uh, reporting requirements on diversity, which is represented Ruth Richardson's uh, bill. And uh, we have the Build Back Better um, provision from Representative Lee to try to help uh, help areas that were damaged by the civil unrest uh, last summer to uh, help help improve their energy efficiency usage when they're they're building their new buildings. And then beyond the uh, energy efficiency uh, or energy equity pieces, we also have quite a lot in there on on just transition and making sure that we're taking care of our workers and our communities when we're making this transition to clean energy. And so that includes a, a new office to help on, on planning uh, for these communities. And then also some strong labor provisions to really make sure that these jobs are, are good jobs uh, and that we're not um, losing jobs in the energy transition that, that we're good paying and going to jobs that aren't. We really need to make sure that, that uh, the new jobs are, are excellent pro-labor jobs as well. And um, you know something else I really love about this whole kind of bill, this big bill with 40 different um, provisions in it, is that we have so many different House authors. And I think that something I've said before and a goal that we have in the Climate Action Caucus is to have a lot of strong advocates within our, our DFL caucus or within our House, the House of Representatives, that in order to really solve this climate um, issue, we need to have a lot of people that are um, carrying bills for that. And I think that the omnibus bill in the Climate and Energy Committee really represents that this year. We have a lot of climate champions that are fighting about real, four really important issues. Um, and that's how we're going to get out of this. I absolutely agree. Well, we're going to uh, pass it off the floor tomorrow, which will be, be super exciting. It might be a little bit of a long debate, but uh, if you're hearing this in time, uh, tune in. And then we go to conference committees. So uh, how do you think conference is going to go, Patty? Well, you know, that's going to be a new experience for me. I'm super excited to be um, able to participate in that. And 
I'm also excited that um, we have a partner in um, Senator Senjum in the Senate who has some real um, issues that he wants to, to work on with us. And so I think we have the opportunity to really get some good things accomplished for the state of Minnesota. I agree. And, and for those who aren't familiar with the conference committee, it's you know when the House and the Senate come together to try to work out their differences. And, and we do have some real similarities here. The solar and schools provision that you mentioned is in both bills, which is which is super exciting. The North Minneapolis pilot training project that I mentioned is in in both bills. Uh, so you know we have some differences. We don't. There's not the Next Generation Climate Act in the Senate bill. We don't. Not have yet. A, not not yet. yet. That's right. That's right. Uh, the 100% uh, clean energy standard isn't in there yet. Um, but that's what conference is for to try to have these negotiations. They have things in their bill that aren't in ours, and so we'll uh, we'll have these conversations and see where we get, but I'm, I'm hopeful too. I feel like we're uh, pointed in a good direction. Well, and I am excited to um, experience that part of the process. It'll be um, interesting to, to see it unfold and to be able to be at the table, um, helping to guide the, the path. And so I, I look forward to partnering with you, Jamie. And, and I think we get to partner with Chair Stevenson as well. And um, so that'll be great. Yep. Likewise. I think, uh, I'm excited about our team, and I think uh, I think we're going to bring back a good bill for for Minnesotans who care about clean energy, care about good jobs, care about the climate. So, well, yeah. uh, if folks want to follow that process, um, and uh, you're listening to us uh, in time, then those there will be public meetings for you to tune in and and watch and follow, just like any other committee uh, hearing. And so, um, hopefully, people can can. Uh, hold us to account and keep an eye on us as we're going forward in the conference process. That's right. I look forward to it. Well, with that, I think we're going to uh, turn it over to our interview and um, we'll uh, get to talk to some young folks about what they're, uh, what they're thinking about climate and what they want us to be doing at the Capitol. It's going to be a great conversation. Keep listening. Well, welcome everybody to the Capitol Climate Connections podcast. Today, we're really fortunate to have some great guests with us. We have several um, Minnesotans who are joining us um, that are in the youth community. And so first we have Na, who's a youth leadership mentor at Climate Generation, and um, also Annie and Indigo, who are high school juniors and part of the Climate Generation's Youth Environment Activist Group Network. So welcome to the podcast, everyone. And maybe as you introduce yourself, you can um, maybe just tell us quickly why climate issues are so important to you. Now, would you like to go first? Sure, I'll, I'll go ahead. Thank you so much, Representative Long and Acomb for having us today. Um, yeah, so my name is Na Che and I use they, them pronouns. Um, I am, like you said, Representative Acomb, a youth leadership mentor for uh, the activists uh, that are involved in our Yeah Network program, including Indigo and Annie. And I provide mentorship and resources and guidance um, for those involved. Um, why uh, do I care about climate change and why am I doing the work that I'm doing? Um, well, I believe that the human population is not able to be sustained without our mother earth. And um, whether that's in a practical sense of having our resources provided by the earth um, and whether it's a spiritual sense of, of uh, having a connection with something that's larger than ourselves, um, you know, it's important that uh, we continue to work with what we have 
um, in order to preserve it and to preserve the lives that we hold and for generations to come. So with that, I'll Thank go you. ahead and pass it to Indigo. Yeah, hi, um, my name is Indigo Davit Liu. Um, I'm a junior in high school and I use they, them pronouns. I've been doing work with, yeah, Minnesota for about a year and a half now. And I believe that climate change and climate issues are inextricably tied with um, humanity. Like Naya said, like I think human health is so much tied to the health of the earth and the health of the environments um, they're around. I think that, I also think climate change has such a potential to connect so many um, like seemingly different issues through like the climate justice lens, such as like racial justice and um, stuff like that. And Annie, do you want to go next? Um, yeah. Um, hi, my name is Annie. I am also a junior in high school and I have been with YA for about a year. Um, I think climate change and climate justice is really important. Um, kind of uh, completely agreeing with everything that Non and Indigo have said, but I specifically think that like our work um, as climate activists and organizers is really important because for a long time, I think that we have remained like complicit with everything that has been going on. And I think it's really time for people to organize and move to combat this crisis. I love it. Well, we're so lucky to have the three of you with us today. And one of the things that Representative Akam and I were uh, so interested in, in bringing folks on who are active in, in climate and youth organizing is because we know that climate is often a top issue or, uh, or the number two issue in polls when, uh, when young people are asked what matters to them. And uh, that isn't true with, um, with folks who are in older generations. And I'm, I'm just curious what, um, what you're hearing from your peers. Why do you think that climate uh, resonates so much with, with your generation? And maybe, maybe we'll start with Annie and go, go backwards this time. Yeah, I think from what I hear from my peers and me, myself, I think it's really worrying because, you know, when we grow up in the future, we'll be like the scientists and the legislators, and this will be a problem that we will have to solve and fix for not only us, but like future generations as well. This isn't something that like we just want to, you know, pass down again. And so finding climate solutions as soon as possible, so it just doesn't, it isn't something that we would have to hugely worry about in our futures is, I'm sure, like really important to us from how I feel and like what I've heard and talked to with my friends and peers. Indigo. Yeah, I agree with Annie. I think that climate change is a big source of anxiety for a lot of my peers. Um, I think we've kind of grown up in an era where we, we're seeing a lot of the effects of climate change that have been talked about. It feels like for generations and it feels that no action has been taken. And so I think a lot of us are feeling um, yeah, very anxious about our future in relation to climate change. Now, how about you? Yeah, so I'm about, I wanna say 10 years older than Indigo and Annie around there. Um, and I first started, started learning about climate change in high school when I started attending the School of Environmental Studies in Apple Valley. Um, but at that point, climate change hadn't been spoken about um, at my prior high school. And I imagine that um, it really, wasn't incorporated into any classrooms at that point, you know, in, in the 2000s um, or 2006 to eight. Um, but now that people are starting to learn that, that the youth are starting to learn more about it, you know, it's, 
essential that they have an education about climate change. And because of social media and um, the way that information is spread these days, uh, you know, we're becoming increasingly more aware of the issue and um, being connected with not only, you know, people within our nation, but all over the world. And so that feeling, I think, of interconnectedness with people on other sides of the planet um, creates a sense of unity and uh, uh, a sense of connectedness that I think prior to, you know, the explosion of social media may not have existed. Um, but of course, um, you know, Indigo and Annie's answer is that the younger generation will have to uh, ad ad uh, adopt these problems and that they're basically the, the front line of, of what's happening um, is definitely, a, I think, a huge factor in why climate change is so important to the youth these days. Now, that's a really great point. And I think the whole notion that uh, of this interconnectedness is really important. And I think that if we're going to kind of be able to tackle this issue of climate change, it's, it's going to have to be together. And so as you think about your conversations, and um, you've kind of alluded to that a little bit, but as you think about conversations with your peers, um, do, you, do you feel like there is a sense of um, hopefulness, or is it is it frustration, or is it anxiety, and and how how can we funnel that into action and into um, getting more people involved? And so maybe we'll start with Indigo this time. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I sadly I think that a lot of the um, like the predominant themes of a lot of conversations I've had about climate change with my peers um, has kind of been one of fear and anxiety, as I've mentioned. And I kind of think this has to do with in um, how we're taught climate change in school is generally just the scientific facts of it almost like, you know, CO2 is being produced, it's warming the atmosphere, these are the effects that are going to happen and there's not so much a focus on climate solutions or climate activism that's happening right now. I know for me, joining um, yeah and joining other activist coalitions um, has brought me a real sense of hope and um, yeah, like unity for, for fighting climate change. And so I think that one way to bring more people in is just to you know teach them and show them that there are solutions and that they are being put into practice. Yeah, that's a great point. And what about you, Annie? What are the conversations that you're having with your peers? Um, how do they how do they sound and yeah i feel like we the conversations that i've had are a bit of both like a bit of um anxiety and fear but a bit of um being like cautiously hopeful i think like as we see the news and see these like climate induced catastrophes it sometimes feels like a little bit hopeful and you worry like down the line in the future is like will things just progressively get worse and worse but I feel like we often, we sometimes feel a bit hopeful seeing um, climate-based initiatives or like policies being set forward. And many of these are set forward by um, youth who are like Indigo and me, who are like really worried. So I think it's a bit of like cautious hopefulness because we feel as though uh, people are realizing how like, it, how serious the climate crisis is. Um, and if we just like organize and like move together, like I think things will be better. Well, cautious hopefulness, I think is a good, a good way to describe how we often feel up with the capital too. Um, and I, uh, I think that's a good, good uh, 
transition to our next question, which is what are the solutions that, that you, you know, see as most important to you and your generation? We have seen some amazing policy organizing coming out of groups like Yeah and uh, groups like the Sunrise Movement. And so curious what, um, you know, if you had a couple of things that you could get the ear of a couple of legislators uh, live in this recording, you know, what, would you, what would you ask us for? Maybe I'll start with Indigo. Yeah, um, I know, yeah, we've been doing a lot of work with climate justice education um, since, like I've mentioned, I've, you know, showing students solutions to climate change um, can really bring people into the movement and really help, um, yeah, students feel more connected to the issue. Also, on kind of a personal level, um, I've also been working on projects like divestment where, you know, just for taking money out of fossil fuels, I think is just super important as well. I love those. I know there is, there's a bill on climate education up at the Capitol, which um, has uh, gotten a lot of support. And uh, I carried the divestment bill uh, last session for, for pushing at least our state investments to try to divest. So agree with you very much there. Uh, maybe uh, Annie next. Um, yeah, kind of um, repeating and going off of what Indigo um, was talking about, I think that, you, you know, climate justice education is really, really important. Um, and at, yeah, that's something that we've really been focusing on, um, especially, you know, it's something important for our generation as we are still in schools. And it's a bit worrying that um, for a topic as serious as the climate crisis and climate justice, we don't really have that many resources for students to learn off of in our curriculum or in our libraries. And that's not really something that we have in my school district. And um, being a part of, yeah, I've been able to talk to activists across the state and it's really not something that you can find from almost any school in Minnesota. So I think providing accessibility um, to of resources on these really crucial relevant issues um, in like the social, scientific, historical fields um, is like something that is really important. And how about uh, you, Na? Well, I'm so proud of Indigo and Annie and other Yale leaders for having spearheaded this bill that was introduced to the House and Senate this legislative session. So House File 550 and uh, Senate File 666, uh, they've, done a great job in working with Senator Weger and other climate leaders in establishing uh, a bill that advocates for um, climate justice education to be implemented in grades uh, one through 12 in all core subjects in the state of Minnesota. So, um, you know, coming from the work that they've done, um, that we've done together this year, I would say climate education, climate justice education in particular, is one of the solutions that we've agreed um, needs to be implemented. Um, people need to know about the issue. And, you know, Annie has expressed in the past that um, she had to go to Google and use that as a resource to learn about climate change. And, you know, as powerful as a tool as the internet can be, we need to be talking about this in our classrooms. Um, so I will say that, uh, I will also say that, you know, the most pressing issue that's in Minnesota's backyard or in our backyard is line three and, and the need to stop it. Um, so no more tar sands and, and um, no more uh, violating the rights of indigenous peoples that has been happening for so long. 
I agree that we need to be um, taking strong solutions that have um, immediate um, improvements. And so those are certainly some important ones. And, and so I think, you know, your perspectives are so important to this conversation. And how do you think that as legislators that we can um, better engage with youth? I know that especially this year, it's challenging because we can't gather and we haven't been able to for a while, unfortunately, but how can, how can we um, better engage with youth on issues? And then also how can we get other young people involved on this issue? So maybe they're kind of combined. That's all one question. And maybe this time we're gonna start with Annie. Um, yeah, I think legislators can better engage with youth um, through like youth organizations across the state. I know we have many different youth organizations, whether that's in climate or other subjects or just having these kind of forums um, in youth-dominated areas can be really engaging. I know many of my peers, they want to um, talk with their legislators and they want to kind of know what's going on, but they don't necessarily know how. So maybe also just like finding ways to provide those, that information would be great. That's a great idea. What about um, you, Indigo? Yeah, I agree with Annie. I think that there's a lot of youth orgs that, um, yeah, I know, I mean, I feel like legislators have a lot on their plate already, but yeah, it would be great if legislators could reach out to youth orgs and, you know, um, yeah, stuff like that. I think, I think a lot of youth would be receptive to hearing from legislators. And I think a lot of youth are um, more scared of their legislators than I would say, like an adult. And so I think it's, even more important for legislators to be more opening and receptive with youth and yeah, that type of stuff. Well, I think you're right. And I will say that in my district, I try to engage with the youth in my schools. And so especially around the environmental issues, there's usually environmental groups. And so that's a great way. And your point is a good one. And we aren't scary people though. So <laughs> don't ever be a scared, scared to reach out to us. And what about you, Na? Do you have any thoughts about this? Sure. Um, well, I've appreciated both of your presences in meetings and um, virtual events. And so um, showing up, I think, you know, first and foremost is what's important and seeing faces that we recognize and voices that we see consistently showing up for youth. And I see that as being due to a commitment that the both of you have uh, to supporting youth and doing what we can to stop climate change. Um, I will say this past spring, we had uh, at Climate Generation and through Yeah Network and Campaigns, an event called the Youth Climate Justice Summit, which was an opportunity for youth to uh, attend workshops facilitated by other youth, but also to speak with legislators. And, you know, there were a number of legislators that did turn up and youth felt so empowered. Um, you know, their testimonies were that they felt empowered by being able to speak with legislators one-on-one -on -one and felt like they finally had a voice. Uh, unfortunately, there were some legislators that didn't show up. And so I would just ask that, um, you know, to show your commitment by attending events uh, such as that, that you that they are invited to. That's a really great point. And I was able to participate in that event and it was wonderful to hear the feedback that um, youth had and the questions that they had for me as a legislator. So I appreciated um, being invited and being able to participate in that. So I think we appreciate great. your support. Thank you so much for showing up. My pleasure. Well, 
we are just so grateful to have had the three of you join us today. And uh, I know that uh, when I was a high school student, I was not talking to legislators and not uh, going on statewide podcasts to talk about the importance of, of uh, critical issues like this. So really applaud the three of you for being uh, willing to, to uh, put yourself out there and be so active on, on these critical issues. Um, and, uh, and to Yamin, which I think is just an amazing organization and doing such great work in our state. Um, and uh, I hope that we take your lessons to heart as we're going forward in the rest of the session and, and try to live up to uh, the, the calls that we're hearing from, from young people across the state. And I just wanna say thanks for your leadership and thanks for your partnership. Thank you so much to the both of you. Um, I'll just speak on behalf of Indigo and Annie as well. I just wanna say thank you for having us. Thanks everybody for joining us for this episode of the Capital Climate Connections Podcast. See you again soon.